0: Yo yo, what's up? It is Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse. This is Jay. Welcome, everybody. Welcome everybody. What
1: Roots is up? A- this week, that's right. We are talking about Snarky Puppy. We just played a track off
0: of their album Culture Vulture. That track was called Gemini. Pretty smooth. smooth Pretty smooth. Chill that's, track. Yeah, that's one of my yeah. favorite tracks. Yeah. Instrumental, obviously, if we were listening to it. Uh, and it's just so chill. Yeah. That's a lot more chill than uh, a lot of their other stuff. I've
1: been yeah. listening to, but
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that track because it's, it's got a little bit, bit of a darker tinge, yeah. than than some of their other stuff, which is very, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, let's talk about it. Then we're talking about a jazz band, a, yeah, a jazz ensemble. Mm-hmm. Um, the smallest band they usually play with is like maybe eight, maybe ten people, yeah. yeah. Um, but then they they played with entire orchestras. Yeah. Um, and so there's like, you know, a lot of people on stage when they're doing some of these shows, mm-hmm. but I mean, yeah, it's electric jazz, jazz, funk, jam band, mm-hmm. you know, modern creative. I saw one thing said post bop post bulb <laughs> and I don't know what that is, but that's what oh. there was one thing used to describe them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's jazzy, um, for sure jazzy.
1: Yeah.
0: But they use elements of R and B rock. Yeah. And uh, they mix it up so well. Super good. Most of it's instrumental. They're they're basically an instrumental band, but they do have some albums out with some recording mm-hmm. vocalists. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, awesome. Yeah. It's uh, mostly headed by a man named Michael League. Yeah. He's kind of the heart and soul and band leader. And he's called their sound pop instrumental, I saw,
1: which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's yeah.
0: interesting how he starts it with pop, even though most people listening would be like, oh, it's, this is jazz. Yeah. So yeah. it's really cool how they um, were able to do that. That's one of the things I love about this band is they, they put these jazzy elements, improvisation, um, but they deliver it in a kind of a poppy way. Yeah. But they're all very talented. Most of them, I think most of them went to school, um, you know, for music or for jazz specifically. Yeah. It um, seems like they're all pretty
1: grounded in um, music theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. Gather. So kind of thing.
0: Yeah, pretty easy for them to communicate and talk to each other, yeah. uh, you know, with even just their instruments yeah. sometimes. So, yeah, super awesome group of talented musicians. Um, they got, they're got they really prolific. They got a bunch of albums out. They started in like 2005, I think it was. And then, yeah, they just started releasing stuff, touring relentlessly, mm. and really built a name for themselves um, to the point where they've, they've won four Grammys. Yeah. Um, they got some no- notoriety worldwide and... A lot of people like to work with them they like to work with a lot of people so they're they got their hand in a lot of different buckets or whatever that phrase would be
1: <laughs> yeah and it's cool because i know you've talked about them a lot to me snarky puppy yeah i've definitely brought them up yeah and um a few several other people mentioned them to me as well and i've never had the chance to really check out the music so mm-hmm. i did for this show and cool cool opportunity to do so um yeah, like how, because you've seen them play live, right? Mm-hmm. A few times? Yeah, I saw
0: them play here in Seattle at Neptune. Mm. I think it was Neptune. Um, no, Moore. Okay. I yeah. saw them play at Moore Theater, which is yeah. a pretty. Is that m- like a sit-down show? Or? It was, uh, I think everyone was sitting down. Yeah. It's it's pretty intimate, you know, instrumental. Yeah. A lot of the people who enjoy Snarky Puppy are kind of, you know, music people. Yeah music head so they're like i'm going to enjoy the music not just you know party it up with a group of people and drink and stuff so everyone's kind of really attentive and i mean i was seeing some of the interviews during they were talking about playing and they played all over the world yeah Uh, one of uh, michael league's favorite places is istanbul Mm. yeah yeah so and i'm just saying they, they he's made his home in other cities in europe and and stuff like that like he literally lives in spain does he? I didn't know that. His bad. his home is in Spain. I think his girlfriend lives in Spain. Yeah. So, um, and we can talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah, he's all, he's just like a worldwide guy. Yeah. He's all over the place. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the band members, are. I, I feel like
1: a lot of them are from America, but I know like some of their, like their keyboardists uh, at a certain point, well, I think, well, we can talk about the lineup kind of changes and shifts, but I think it's mm-hmm. Bill Lawrence, I think is in he's from the UK. And, okay. Um, I, I wanted to bring him up as well. Cause apparently I just did an interview with an artist in the UK called Ruxpin, mm-hmm. which will be out on YouTube. Now you can go check that out. Nice. And he's recorded with Bill. Um, apparently Bill was like a teacher as well. And he hadn't, Ruxpin hadn't seen him for years. And okay. then he was just randomly there in a session and yeah. he was like engineering and recording him nice. kind of thing, saying how like, you know, amazing musician he is, mm-hmm. you know, like you can just, play whatever at any time like real
0: kind of jazz head and so competent yeah 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 yeah. i mean you know fluent in the language of music yeah yeah and um uh
1: yeah i mean so yeah it's kind of interesting about their lineup because so they started with 10 people
0: yeah so they started like a normal band a big band but i think it was like 10 or around that number yeah and um they've They've been um described as a collective, yeah, it's not really collective, um, but you know that's kind of a, a word to describe what's going on because there is people going in and out, mm. they're touring so relentlessly, like mm-hmm. for years they've been they're just kind of always working really hard, yeah. um and that's one of the big things I respect about the group in general is just their drive yeah. and their passion for the music yeah like they're they're in you know fifteen person van, you know driving to the next country, yeah. Or you know, city depending on where they're they're at, but they're they're yeah. you know, they're, they're taking it on the chin like they're they're living that kind of rock star tour lifestyle. They're not lavishly rich in a nice hotel in every city they go to. Like they're paying their dues, yeah, yeah, um, and then putting on a fantastic show for the people wherever they're at.
1: Yeah, and I know like a lot of their uh, members are session musicians in their own right for other bands mm-hmm. or full time members of other bands. Also, there's a lot of producers in this group as well um, that produce for other artists, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it was interesting about on touring. They were saying that um, sometimes they'll just switch out members like midway through tour, like especially if right. they switch continents or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll have like a fresh group of people joining them on the road, kind yeah. of Thing and um, and it all seems cool. It's not like you know, oh, I don't get to play on the tour anymore. It's kind of like it's kind of expected as part of this group is that. Um, And my colleague said he he kind of expects that every member of the band knows how to play every instrument in every song.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: he can just call upon them at any moment and be like, uh, you're playing uh, keys today, Mm -hmm. not... not
0: Yeah, like our guitarist who does the solo or this melody right here, he's not here today. So we need keys. You need to do that melody right here. Yeah. Um, So again, just improv yeah like show to show like you said there's different players in the band at different times because they're touring so relentlessly and some of the members either can't make all of the tour but they want to do half yeah or you know for all kinds of reasons they can't go to another country or they have a family or they're producing another project or they're in another band yeah and so it just um causes this kind of carousel carousel carousel. Carousel. carousel carousel oh that was a hard word carousel? for me to say yeah. carousel that sounds good casserole yeah yeah that was going casserole <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah there's kind of a rotating uh yeah. what, ca- carousel right what, carousel there we go <laughs> we got that out of the way i almost said casserole ca- ca- again w- well
1: anyway casserole sounds good i'm getting hungry a rotating casserole
0: yeah yeah, yeah. rotate it. yeah exactly musical things yeah um so but they call this group the band the fam the fam yeah Yeah. as kind of a casual yeah yeah. a way to describe what's going on because um you know like michael league said he's they're all kind of part of the band and and even the the members who haven't played that many shows with them have played over 100 shows yeah with the group and like you were saying all he expects all the members to know basically all of the parts going on so that you're you know so you can quickly improvise yeah and uh you know kind of change on the fly and that's obviously just a huge value so it, it gives them a lot of freedom to um you know continue accepting gigs and yeah and uh you know giving a good show to the the people who love the music definitely yeah. so yeah the fam fam yeah uh i don't know if we want to say all the people's names i mean there's like a list yeah there's a lot so i think um i, I think he said us. There's probably
1: about forty musicians. Is that about right? That's mm-hmm. kind of in this carousel, yeah, of uh, people. Seems so about right. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then usually when they play a show, yeah, it's about maybe no more than fifteen. I think it's mm-hmm. been like, a, but yeah, usually ten folks on stage, kind of thing, right? And um, yeah, several, you know, people on each instrument that they can call upon, mm-hmm. and and these people also do play on the records as well. I mean, they've had so many records out that, you know. Yeah, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Which
0: know, is what's a great way to say yeah. it is like they're a fam, and yeah. that's that's quoted from Michael like League. Like that's what they're, the band is kind of called because they're they're not all every member isn't always there doing every single thing, but they're all kind of incorporated at different times of the year, different yeah. parts of the tour, different parts of the recording process. Yeah, I mean these guys are insane. Like some of the the albums they've created and released were recorded live yeah. with a live studio audience yeah, yeah. in-house yeah and i mean there's some like watching some of these interviews about how they were getting this done they they didn't have a drummer until like the day of recording yeah a drummer who didn't know the music and was learning it on the fly yeah like literally as they're recording and as they're like setting up yeah like they're like okay, here's the chords here's this part here's how it's gonna go yeah and then they just they get it yeah and it's it's amazing yeah and you can listen to this stuff it's all live you can hear people clapping in the background. There's a, a bunch of amazing videos of them playing live and they just kill it every time. Definitely, yeah. Beautiful stuff.
1: Yeah, and so I guess like to sort of talk about their formation, um, yeah, you said Michael League is the kind of band leader and instigator behind the group. Um, he's a bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a composer and producer, but on stage he just plays bass, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, like he he was born in California in 84. Um he said he started playing bass when he was seventeen years old, or playing guitar at thirteen, and then bass at seventeen. Yes,
0: yeah, so we started on guitar. I yeah. think he was in, um, I think he was in a jazz band in school. Yeah, and I think they, they had like three guitarists, but no bassist, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, the teacher made him made him do bass. Yeah, made one of the guitarists do bass, and he was the one who did it. Yeah, and he just kind of took it on, and I think, um, I mean, what happened after that? was he, yeah, he just kind of got into bass, kind of the same way I got into bass. It was mm-hmm. like, because everybody always needs a good bass player mm-hmm. and there's, you know, guitars are more, a little flashier and maybe seem as a little more fun or kind of more front person. Like, I'm mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. I play guitar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but everyone plays guitar. Um, exactly. So, and and, yeah.
0: and so to, to take that on and be like, I'm the band leader, yeah. even though I, I play the bass. Like, he's like, none of that matters. Like, I think it's just a great example of somebody just doing whatever they want, yeah. Um, no matter what, because um, he did he did go to jazz school, and I think that was in uh, University of North Texas. Yeah,
1: spent four years there studying jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting he said because because um, he was asked the question in a later interview a few years ago because he does a lot of things, you know. Um, uh, he's a busy guy. He's real busy, like not only just with Snarky Puppy in the touring and the writing and the producing of that music, but he also produces for other artists. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also started their own record label, which they've been putting out snarky puppy stuff on. Um, Bunch of things. And yeah, about that he was kind of saying that he doesn't really have the luxury to hone his craft anymore. Um, You could say playing live is a way of doing that, but I feel like he kind of sees that as separate as as working, focusing on just getting better his instruments and stuff and yeah he kind of said that his four years in university was that time where he really got that kind of nailed out and he's always thankful for that time in his life because at that at those times that's all he was doing you know he was just studying and he was just mm-hmm. focusing on his craft and yeah he yeah. Just says he's thankful for that time to be able to do that and yeah
0: yeah that's um, where most of his base knowledge of mm-hmm. you know bass mm-hmm. little i guess double entendre there on accident <laughs> Um, but that's where he really concentrated and studied his craft about learning music, music theory, and I guess specifically bass because he was kind of leaning into the bass at that time. Yeah. Um. Does that sound right? I think Uh, so. I think so. Yeah. And but he also said, uh, I think he sort of didn't think he
1: was that good or whatever, and that's kind of how Snarky Puppy came about because he Mm -hmm. wanted to. He wasn't able to like really perform in some of the things that were happening. Well, I mean, yeah, I think at this college
0: there was some like jazz bands or you know positions for different musicians to be in yeah but uh, he wasn't good enough to make it yeah and so he said he's creating <laughs> snarky puppy so he could play
1: that yeah is what he said at certain point kind of thing
0: that was but, his yeah. way to to be able yeah. to play music yeah. yeah um so yeah i mean he started the band
1: yeah and then um that was only in 2004 or 5 and i think their first official release was 2006 but in 2005 they released like a live album i think mm-hmm. um Not sure where you can hear that. Probably somewhere on the internet. It's not on Spotify, but um, yeah.
0: Bandcamp or something. Probably
1: something like that, yeah. And then, (coughs) so yeah, 2006, the only constant was the first uh, full-length album that Mm -hmm. they put out. And uh, um, do you know much about that, the first album?
0: No, honestly, no. I'm coming from the opposite end, because I I just got into Snarky Puppy since two thousand like 14 or 15 mm-hmm. so i'm more familiar with their their later albums yeah and so i've been still they have a lot of content out there so i'm still working my way through a lot of it yeah um but i, I mean i guess before we get to that first album just a couple more notes of um stuff before snarky puppy got started mm-hmm. um michael league's dad was in the air force so they were moving around a little bit okay a lot his mom was a flute teacher and she loved music um and so they'd be playing like r&b and rock and uh michael league he was into you know blues i think there's a band called cream do you recognize Mm -hmm. cream um then he was eric clapton
1: okay and ginger baker really good drummer and that's uh, the band yeah and then there was a third guy i can't remember his name but yeah it was eric clapton okay uh his first group pretty much yeah cream
0: nice i did not know that i just wrote down cream and that's all i had yeah they're Um, really good
1: funky stuff
0: that sounds great i love me some clapton yeah um, but yeah, Michael Lee was also into Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin, uh, the Beatles, Jimi Hendrix, mm. and he said his brother gave him a lot of musical influence, mm. and uh, you know, kind of put music in front of him and kind of fed it to him, and you know, helped along his uh, journey of musical discovery. Yeah. And so I think he gave him an XTC c- CD. Do you do you know XTC? XTC, no. Okay, the pretty cool, um, kind of new wave mm. pop rock is it like t- the initials like the, X-T-C? yeah the X-T-C. Okay. Yeah. i remember my dad playing them a lot and they have some really good stuff okay um also steely dan yeah um so just a little bit of background where this guy's coming from he likes kind of progressive stuff mm. yeah stuff that's a little outside of the box yeah you know like Jimi hendrix yeah kind of on the the fringe of doing something more than kind rock music the jazz rock
1: side of things so that's yeah. what cream was actually there's a really good documentary about them i think um i think it was released in like early 2000s but it had mm. what was archive footage of them on tour in the 70s nice. um because they did like a whole big reunion tour in the early 2000s i think mm. um but yeah they're they're really really jammy funky group and there's just three of them but it was like a massively full sound
0: like, yeah yeah um, i mean almost like yeah. a like a super band i mean but, yeah, this, but this was clapton's were. like first band yeah
1: i think he well, clapton might have done some stuff before then i think yeah, he's I been around s- for a minute i want to say he was in something called the yardbirds maybe I could be wrong I about know. that but yeah i don't know um i like that name though but also i guess like hendrix were a three-piece mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah and as well and very jammy Mm Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he definitely has, you know, kind of a jammy thing. Like one of the things they do, Snarky Puppy does with their music is they'll kind of, they like to kind of sit on a groove, on a feel, and kind of just write it because they know there's so many things you can do Mm -hmm. as far as providing texture or different rhythms and kind of you know polyrhythms and how do you how do you take this this band this jam this idea that we're playing and make it interesting. And so a lot of the music is kind of, you know, really, really groovy and it's really hitting hard, um, you know, funky and groovy. And they just kind of ride it for a long time and really like, you know, squeeze everything they can out of it. And not to say that they're doing it for too long because mm. they, they do a really good job of keeping it um, consistently moving. Um, but at the same time, they're just not really, they're not scared to kind of sit in a rhythm and just kind of like really ride it out. Give a couple solos, improv a little bit, especially if they're doing it live. And, um, just just go for it, yeah, so yeah, a little bit more of their um of Michael League's background, so he went to jazz band in high school, like we said, then he went to the north um University of North Texas, did some more jazz, did some more music, started yeah. snarky puppy, and then I guess that's kind of where we're at, right? Mm. Um, yeah. I, as far as I know, they started playing a weekly gig at a pizza place, mm-hmm. somewhere around that campus i'm I'm assuming, yeah. And um, so I, I got a little info on how they got the name. Uh, his brother was going to name his band Snarky Puppy. <laughs> and then he eventually didn't use that name. Yeah. And he used a different name for the, the project he was working on. But, um, but Michael League, it was one of those situations was like, oh, we have a gig, but we need to tell him a name. Mm. He had Snarky Puppy on his mind. So he said Snarky Puppy. And it was one of those things where... We'll just say Snarky Puppy and we'll change it later to a better name. It's kind of like Bonobo. Exactly. Asked, yeah, how about his name? Yeah. That, that, it, I've seen that with a lot of groups. Yeah. That's kind of the way... I know, you know a, a Incubus story was the same. They had a really? gig yeah. and they were like, oh, we don't have a name though. Yeah. But, and so Mike Einziger, the guitarist, and I think Brandon Boyd were looking through a dictionary for a word. They came across Incubus, Yeah. which is like a demon that Comes and has sex with you in the night. So, <laughs> there you go. Odd band name, yeah, but a great band name, yeah. So I feel like I feel like a lot of great band names are are kind of made like that, yeah. Like pick a word, yeah, and then then we'll make the word into a cool band name.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that yeah, you can call yourself anything, and that will, you know, become. I mean, it will take on its own meaning, like the yeah. more you do kind of thing.
0: Like, it's so yeah. silly. I mean, yeah. Foo Fighters, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> but at the same time it's really hard right i remember being in bands and we'd spend ages trying to come up with names and we'd usually have really shit ones like yeah i think my band at one point was called snakes from utopia okay why i don't know why like, we had ethos was another ethos ethos yeah it was bad um that's not that's not too bad i, I mean I, I can get on that it's a little bit like I oh, know, like prod rock, like folk rock or something. That's how I think of it. Progressive right? folk rock? Yeah, progressive folk pro- Ethos. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that sounds you know. good.
1: Uh, and then we eventually settled on Absento because the other three band members went to Portugal and they got really drunk on this uh, absinthe from Portugal and the brand name was called Absento. Nice. So we became...
0: That's I a good say. way. That's a good story for the band name. Yeah. I guess
1: there's always a story, right? Absinthe the, is fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't part of that story, though, which is the sucker. Oh, band, you're like, but, oh, yeah. I don't really like that name. I, I, I wasn't I, there. I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, but
0: anyway. All right. So I, we got a little history on Snarky yeah. Puppy. Mm-hmm. Michael Leagues, father's in the airport. He's moving around. He's into music. He's mm-hmm. finding a love for music. He gets in high school jazz band. He goes to North um, University, of North Texas. I can't say that. Tech. I want to say it backwards every time. <laughs> um, but University of North Texas, I believe, mm-hmm. starts Snarky Puppy. Yeah. And then I think we should play a, a jam right now. Um, yeah, from the first
1: album. Yeah. All right, I pulled this one up. I think it is. Yeah.
0: Precipice, third track. Okay. I'm and not. Um, I'm not super familiar with this album, so I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. Well, and we'll, well listen well, along well, with everybody. Well, I wasn't
1: either. I heard this for the first time earlier today, so uh,
0: we're all discovering.
1: Here we go. That was Precipice, mm. a snarky puppy off her mm, mm, debut album called uh, The Only Constant. Came out in 2006. There's a lot going on in that track. Got Tablas in there as well towards the end. Mm, what do mm. you say? Ta- Ta- tablas. Uh, that's the Indian percussion. Oh, those, that's that. Those, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: I didn't know what I would call them like yeah. mini bongos or something. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, had, I owned a pair of Tablas. They're really hard to play. You kind of have to go to like intensive like music training school because so, uh-huh. it's actually a really interesting side note about tablers but they um they there are all these different types of sounds you can make with the tablers mm-hmm. and they all have different um they sort of correlate to different words like um ah ding. Mm. so that and that's kind of how they like um uh like describe the notes or each sound that the tablet can make, kind of thing, and how they arrange the the sound. Like, so it's um da da ding da da, you know, yeah, like then, syllables. Yeah, yeah, and then that's kind of like how you play it but yeah it's really complicated instrument to play you can do this really interesting subby thing with your palm of your hand and get the Uh, i've seen yeah Yeah, yeah. that's tight that's cool i never i own some tablets i yeah i was never able to get that sound i was like trying to work on that for ages how do i get i mean that's yeah that's just a
0: (laughs) finesse thing yeah you got to kind of you know work on even though off the cuff if you don't know you know about music or anything it just sounds like someone's just wailing away and it sounds dope (laughs) because there's so much energy yeah but i mean like what a great track this is their first thing they ever came out with yeah like basically the first lp for any of these guys on the album yeah and i mean the first song open forum is over 10 minutes long yeah and the The, one we just played was eight minutes yeah they were not shy yeah they weren't trying to no they were like here's what we're gonna do
1: yeah
0: like it or not yeah here we come Yeah, Uh, you can hear in just you know this first track how dynamic the band gets how the rhythms change how they really let it go to a low dynamic and then they bring it right back up yeah um you can just see the musicality from the very beginning yeah this is their first album and they've only gone harder from there yeah um this is this is a band where i don't think we have time or need to talk about every single album and the story between everyone because there is a lot at this point point. Um, and they just kind of constantly get better, and they constantly explore what they're doing. Yeah. And you know, musically, it's not too different. No, they're they're playing this their own brand of jazz, mm-hmm. progressive jazz, rock, yeah, new jazz, whatever you want to call them. Because um, you can hear the rock influence. Like they're they'll yeah. they'll break out some literal just electric guitar rock yeah. solo. Yeah. Over some weird rhythms with you know the what do you call them the tablet uh, the tablas
1: yeah which I didn't hear until that one moment in the track mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, well, yeah. That's, that's yeah. one of the cool things. There's yeah.
0: a lot going on in these songs yeah. um, and it definitely warrants multiple listens. Yeah. And you, you can listen to these albums over and over again and, and consistently hear something new. Yeah. Um, Cause the stuff is pretty complex and it's pretty, you know, it's textured and it's layered Yeah, and they do a really good job of that. So, I mean, it's just, after, that was the first album they just have more and more better stuff after that so
1: let's uh i was gonna play something I have no idea what's gonna sound
0: like oh what um, do you I, got I, and we'll talk about I had like,
1: like to do the foreshadowing the surprise thing okay let's see it's my might- Yeah, it was just a, a little bit of cream oh so that's cream you me- nice. cream i just wanted to spin a little bit of it to see what it sounds like yeah very 60s yeah Nike. but
0: but it, it does sound full yeah, yeah like
1: you were saying yeah 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 and it's just bass drums and
0: guitar this was in the 60s yeah i, I used to think that gives it away for me is that you can hear you know in stereo field you can hear the drums fully (laughs) right and then like guitar fully left it like they were still experimenting with stereo oh yeah yeah, i think at this time didn't know how to what yeah what the best way to organize the stereo field yeah because a lot of those are recordings you have like yeah, drums
1: totally like in in the left or something yeah and And that
0: like beatles did that and when i hear that i'm like whoa i'm listening to some old stuff because which makes it interesting for sampling because I know a lot of people
1: have sampled vinyls off those old records, and if you just pan it left, you just get the drums with no instruments. Oh, okay, and that's yeah, how yeah, People were yeah. like, able to get like clean
0: breaks, and then just record that, like that so you yeah. can get that sample. <laughs> yeah. Nice, but yeah. But some bands do that still, though. Like the band, yeah. like I think Tame Impala. I'll hear like they yeah. just put those drums way on the side, get a guitar on the other side, and yeah some funky stuff with it so it's fun
1: well it's interesting because that yeah like originally had to be done that way i think because of uh the equipment and then Uh now it's used for like an aesthetic
0: yeah thing so yeah beautiful watching the the progression of exactly music production yeah yeah. (laughs) so we're talking about snarky puppy here on roots to grooves love it yeah um my dad showed me this band oh yeah yeah so that's where that came from that's how i found out about him he was like check out this dope band I did. The rest is history. Mm-hmm. We're talking about here on Roots to Groups today.
1: Yeah. And like you said, uh, they've had so many albums out. So we won't go through all of them. Um, Which is, it's,
0: it's so amazing because, like we, we said before, like Michael League, this isn't his only project. This yeah. is not just his baby who he works really hard for. Yeah. He's like constantly doing stuff. And we could talk about that for a second because he's, yeah. he's just incredibly productive. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's like an organizer. Yeah. Or I think even like you said, off the cuff, like he's an instigator. And I think yeah. like a, in, so in, in at least one. Yeah. yeah, totally. That's what, that's what I saw him describing himself as in at least one interview because he's kind of the band leader. But obviously the, the rest of the people in the band are just as professional and just as capable.
1: Yeah. Like he was saying, he doesn't dictate, uh, you know, live where they go kind of thing. He says he just instigates. So mm-hmm. like, I guess like a cup, a few sort of examples around that is like uh one thing he does is he does write out a whole entire set list for every show they do Mm -hmm. and he said he usually abandons that after like the second or third Mm -hmm. song when they're live um almost every show yeah almost every show because um you know he'll for various reasons like one he'll be like you know listening to the vibe in the room and Mm -hmm. the audience reaction and also you know he said you know because they do play the songs but they play them differently each time mm-hmm. and so there might be one time where the keyboardist is doing a solo where there should have been a drum solo mm-hmm. or or there'll be some element that he just like and kind of like a dj he'll be like oh that thing that that keyboardist did was really good right so let's play like this other track that is like keyboard heavy next kind mm-hmm. of thing you know and so like a dj he'll kind of like yeah suggest okay we're gonna play this one next and, and then go off the cuff that way hmm um, he also said, like, he said he only really has two, three cues <laughs> when he's on stage to the other musicians. Like, one is like nodding yes, and then one is like no, yeah, yeah, and then like this fist in the air to uh end. We're going to end the song, uh-huh. kind of thing. and he said, he said it's not really sort of that planned out. It's just like everyone kind of because they've played together for so long now mm-hmm. that they can just with eye communication and that no what he means and what the other people mean. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: If you don't yeah. know what you're looking for, if you're watching them play, if, if you're not like a musician who knows what he's doing, I mean, he's like, you know, as a third bass coach, he's like doing like signals, like yeah, yeah. do this, do that, but not really that intense at all. Like you said, yeah. only like three symbols. Yeah, yeah, And it's super cool to see the musicianship and the professionalism, how they got to this level of playing together where they're communicating with their instruments and they're communicating with minimal hand signals yeah. Or just like eyes, like if he looks at you, the band member knows what he means for you to do. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, just crows. Yeah. What Cr- is this? Crows out the out the window. Crows out the window. Um. That's so bad, yeah, that's a band name. Crows out, crows out the window. Crows out the window. I like yeah. that. I like that. Okay. Uh, saving that dibs, yeah. everyone. Yeah, dibs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I guess uh, 2007, the the year after they came out with the world is getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, a few more tracks on this first album had five. This had eight. Yeah. more good stuff. I'm not super familiar with it. Just be honest. Yeah. I, um, I
1: skimmed through the first few albums. It's all very sort of consistent. There's nothing mm-hmm. crazily different between each of the albums. Um, uh, there were all the first one, two, three albums were on a label called sit mom records, which is a small label out of Denton, Texas where they were formed. Um, I think this one musician guy formed that label and then, uh, I guess, like, just sort of talk about highlights, then uh, Ground Up, I think, was the fifth or sixth album. And that's also became the name of my colleague's own record label that they've been releasing stuff out of, Ground, mm-hmm. Ground Up, since then. Um, yeah, I think
0: they wanted to... They were gaining a fan base, mm-hmm. and he's he's all about like we were saying, organizing and putting people together. He's working like a dJ and it, it reminds me of stuff like you know they say Brian Wilson is you know he's he's using the studio to produce, mm-hmm. you know he's like controlling the studio and and the band members and musicians to to make something happen, even though he's not technically doing something hands on mm. on an instrument or something. and so he's kind of he's playing people, yeah he's like, you guys should talk to this guy. You guys should play something like this. Let's move these instruments over here. Let's rearrange it like this. So he's just kind of controlling things like that from the outside. Mm. And so he's like he's got really good ideas and he's obviously productive, but he himself will say that he's not it's not he's he's organizing these things, but he's not necessarily making it the most organized way. Mm. Like like I was mentioning before, they'll they were doing I think we Like It Here, one of their albums that came out live, and they had the drummer come on the day of. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It was like a highlight album to sort of discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: 2014, they recorded it in Holland or Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whichever one you want to say about that. <laughs> um, Is that the same? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the same one. Um, they hmm. There's like a documentary, 30-minute documentary on YouTube about it. Um, Michael basically saying that... Um, he described Europe as being like the milk and honey of, I don't really quite quite get what he means about that, but I think meaning that like jazz and Europe and kind of Europe has been a place that they wanted to really delve more into and play for more for the audiences. So the way they organized this album is they recorded it in a studio out there uh, with all of their musicians playing live and they had people, an audience basically in the studio, uh, for the recording then you can hear them Mm -hmm. on the on the thing uh on the recording
0: and they're like sitting practically next to each other yeah like the horn section standing there and there's people right next to them (laughs) like like not even in a circle completely surrounding the band like they're kind of interspersed yeah yeah and you can watch those videos on youtube yeah it's really cool
1: and and it's funny so they hadn't written anything before they showed up at the studio and uh, I think I think it was the I think it was the engineer, the, this Dutch guy, was saying that um, basically, yeah, Michael walked into the studio for the first time, looked around, he had his backpack on, and and he basically just sat down in front of the in the front of the grand piano and started playing without even taking his coat or his backpack like started off. Started composing, starting composing. Like he,
0: he just has ideas in his head. None of this is written down. Yeah, just to be clear for everybody. Yeah, because I, I think I watched that same interview. and yeah. He just arrived at the studio, like basically like kind of behind schedule like, yeah okay well i have to compose like 12 songs yeah. for this full-length album that we're going to record live yeah and we don't have a drummer yet so yeah yeah and they said uh yeah for like was it, three or four days all the
1: musicians were in there and they were rehearsing and they were writing this material and they said it was really hard because they had a percussionist there but they didn't have the drummer and so they said it was really hard to kind of get it going and a few of them were saying that they thought this might be their worst album yet because they weren't feeling
0: the music and- i I can't imagine <laughs> i mean they were learning this and writing it all yeah. with this whole album all within a four day period yeah i mean is that right i mean um, it sounds yeah
1: i think it was in within a week so like four days had passed they'd written rehearsed and all this stuff uh-huh. uh, michael finally got in touch with a drummer that could come out um and he i think his name is lewis he came out from the u.s the day he arrived, he was like, they sent a taxi cab for him and he waited around for two hours because the cab didn't and arrive. That was <laughs> Eventually, he got in the cab and he went straight to the studio and just hopped on the drums and started recording the actual album with the audience. No rehearsal. Like, he'd rehearsed two songs and then he just was fucking improvising the rest. And killing of the album. it. And killing it. Like, yeah.
0: no problem. I don't know. Yeah. It just, it's so insane. Like, yeah. listen to this album, listen to any track and. Yeah. Most musicians would be like, Wow, I'd love to make something so beautiful one day. And these guys just chaotically put it together in a live setting over less than a week. Yeah. Like written and composed. Yeah. It's like, I don't know how else to say it. It's just absolutely insane. It's funny. It's like, because you know how we talked before in
1: previous episodes about the constraints of instruments? Yeah. You know, if you just box yourself in. I some I kind of feel that way about timelines as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, for example, for today's show, I wanted to research yesterday, but I couldn't, and and then you moved up the timeline for recording oh, today. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, hour and a half, gotta do it. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> but it was actually good because I was like, uh, you know, I I just really like uh, focused my mind onto doing these things, and I mm-hmm. think it's kind of the same with me. it can be timeline could be a tool in a good way for like music yeah like if you've got to record this album and i know this happened with the beatles back in the day they were massive they're on tour and then they're like okay you got to record your next album write and record your next album in a week and they go in a week they write record it and then they put it out and like some of those biggest beatles hits were done that way very fast and i think that's kind of a good thing to like you know. You have to be on top of your game though And you can't procrastinate And you can't be like oh, mm-hmm. There's no time for that you got to just do it You know Even if it's bad Just do it Get out of your system I think the more you do yeah. it Like Maybe Yeah you have to go through that process Of getting stuff out of your system
0: And so I think you know. that's where These ideas can Can, can connect mm-hmm. um, Sorry hold on I was getting a weird text All of a sudden Yeah And I had my car parked in a weird spot So I was wondering Oh um, But So like it's unorganized and stuff but he's gained these skills because they were relentlessly playing live shows mm-hmm. all the time and like he would say he would do snarky puppy shows but for every snarky puppy show early on he'd do like 20 or 40 like working gigs like yeah. like playing pop covers mm. or playing some straight jazz somewhere but like gigs for kind of money not for what he was trying to actually work on which is like snarky puppy and other projects yeah um, but like I'm just saying these guys put in the work and they put in the time yeah. um to uh to like make this stuff happen so yeah just we like it here 2014 check that out that might be a good place to start yeah you dive into hearing these guys live yeah um you got a little bit of the, of the context yeah. and if you want more context go on YouTube because there's like a full documentary about we like it here yeah and then you can listen to that album you know it's out everywhere I have it up on spotify and it's live you can hear the audience and it's just it's great yeah, yeah. and so i think you know at this point they kind of leveled up and they started making a name for themselves yeah um i don't so i mean they won like four grammys i don't know if they won a grammy on this particular album mm-hmm. yeah I'm um sure. but like they're they're making waves in the music industry at this point yeah um you know at least making a name for themselves yeah i would say
1: and i guess it's also interesting because so that album yeah it was written and recorded in the studio but usually Um, they do have an approach for writing, which I think is interesting as well is, um, I mean, a a few of the members contribute in the same way, but I think Michael league does it the most Mm -hmm. being the band leader is he'll demo the song um, in logic, you know, he'll in logic, the software, if no one knows, um, you know, he'll write each song um, in there and, he he does an interesting thing he's he said he uses the same fender road sound for every instrument line that he writes yeah so if it's meant for horns or for guitar or whatever he'll just record it on the demo and because uh because then the people listening to the musicians will don't know what's supposed to be played by what
0: like which part's mine yeah
1: and one of the reasons he does that as well is because he said he wants every musician to learn every part mm-hmm in the song because then that also gives them the flexibility for doing live later like we were saying the top of the show like if um if someone needs to join last minute um you know because he says sometimes you know they'll be playing shows and one of the musicians will get an offer to go do something that pays more than the snarky puppy tour and right they're like yeah cool go do that you know we'll just call up um whoever like the next person in the mm-hmm. rolodex sort of thing and they'll come yeah. in and and because they've listened to every demo and every track and some of them have played on the recordings they can just come in and do a little rehearsal and sound check or whatever to freshen up and and then just go for it's it it's
0: great to have you know. that context and that gives them a lot yeah. of freedom yeah i mean so yeah i mean I can't imagine i want to hear one of those tracks a with, demo yeah Which like the horn know. section <laughs> all roads yeah yeah I mean, you know, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe I, the I, drums are the one exception, but I can't
1: imagine because it sounds like to me they'll just be clashing road sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Five yeah. layers of different
0: things. Either way, I mean, yeah. I would love to hear one of those early sessions where he's just, yeah. you know, I don't know. Just, yeah, he just turns it on in his mind. He's like, I got to do this now. Yeah. I got to create something awesome. Dives deep in. Yeah. I don't have time to, because there's saxophone sounds. Yeah. Yeah. On in built into logic. He could switch it up, but he, yeah. he does it on purpose. Yeah.
1: And also, I I think it's that way for the other. He said there's two or three other people that contribute songs in that same way mm-hmm. within the group. That demo, they'll demo a full track and write it out and then send it to everyone and right. so they can learn it. And yeah, and so the process from there after the demos is they'll learn it and then they'll get into a studio and rehearse it live a few times and then record it. Mm-hmm. I think they don't really do too many overdubs. They kind of just perform it live. And record it, and that's what you hear on the albums, kind of
0: thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. basically, mostly is what they do. Is mo- a lot of their stuff is basically live. Yeah, and I think it wasn't until um, Cultura Vulture in 2016, and we played Gemini, the opening track mm-hmm. for this podcast, um, where that was like a studio recorded album. Right, where they they did take the time to overdub everything. Okay, yeah. um, and we can talk about that in a second because we're not quite there yet. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's interesting because they've yeah done a few
1: different approaches. I feel like for the first bulk of albums, the first decade pretty much, mm-hmm. is, was kind of live, it, you know, dem- get the demos, rehearse it, and then record it live. Yeah. And then We Like It Here was like a you know a highlight album in 2014 where we just discussed Netherlands mm-hmm. recording it that way. And the one they released after that, um, 2015, called Silver, um, which mm-hmm. was a – um collaboration with the metropole Orchestra, which is an orchestra um that is an interesting orchestra because they play a lot of like pop stuff and mm-hmm. um modern kind of things they've played live with lots of different types of artists um can't think of any right now off the top of my head but basically for that album uh michael did orchestrate everything um he wrote in logic Uh, all of the parts for each stringed instrument. For the orchestra. Yeah, and he said in Logic it'd have all these layers and they'll be like, you know, cello. this is what the cello's playing, this is what the French horn's playing kind of thing. So he he wrote this music, he called it a suite of music, which Mm -hmm. is a very classical term, I think, suite. Yeah. Um, um, Yeah, he wrote it specifically for, for an orchestra to play. I think he actually said he had to get permission from the orchestra first to change kind of their, their setup or their configuration. Right. Um, and once he got permission for that, cause I think it was a little bit unusual set up
0: how he versus, wanted to arrange yeah, it or... versus
1: how most orchestras are put together kind uh-huh. of thing. And so he said, once he got the permission for that, he wrote the music and then he went, um, with the conductor, um, Jules Buckley as the p- conductor and he kind of, uh, took, what michael had written orchestrally and kind of fixed his mistakes he said as mm-hmm. michael said is like he said he didn't really like overhaul anything he just like thought certain things would work better and, and
0: just kind of finessed some finessed notes it, here yeah and there then,
1: and then he was able jules buckley the conductor was able to translate that for the orchestra mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting because this came out as a snarky puppy album but michael said it, it's not just snarky puppy with strings it's like we wrote an orchestral piece had it conducted mm-hmm. and then they integrated um, the Snarky Puppy musicians into it, which is yeah. really interesting. We should play a track off that in a sec or something. But
0: Yeah, yeah I'd be super down. This yeah. album, 2015 Silva by Snarky Puppy, we're talking about. And um, this is where I was turned on to Snarky Puppy. This oh, was yeah. the first album. Okay, cool. And so like, you can hear some of the stuff. And yeah, we should play something off here because it's, it's orchestral Mm. and it's very cinematic and mm. thematic and huge. Mm-hmm. Um very beautiful, very lush. Um but they they still keep that funness about them. They always have that kind of lighthearted funky beat. Yeah. Um you know, light kind of jazzy fun energy to them. Yeah. But then the the strings kind of give it that extra layer of yeah. You know, um you know, ominousness mm. or or mystery. Mhm. Or just kind of heaviness to it, you know. Yeah. Um. You know what strings do. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I mean, yeah, beautiful album. Only six tracks. Yeah. One of the songs, fifteen minutes long. One is nineteen minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So you know they're diving deep. Yeah. And it, it's That's really cool. great. Do you have a, a track we can play off here? I, I'd, yeah. I'd be down to. Well, I wasn't going to play one of the super long ones. So. No, we don't. We don't have time for that.
1: I was uh, going to play the first track off of this. It's called Sinatra. Nice and it says live some of these are Mm -hmm. labeled live so i'm not sure the difference between that and the ones that are not labeled live but um
0: i I think this album was a mix of studio recording and and and, live uh, stuff live with with the orchestra i I think think so and i think that's why like two of the tracks on here say they're live and the others don't cool not sure but let's let's get into this track
1: yeah Kind of cut off a little bit there because i'm playing off a playlist but that track, oh my god that track did uh merge into the second track on the album so yeah that's nice little more transition thing there yeah
0: for sure yeah so i mean to get that beautiful transition because this this highly recommend listening to silva all the way through yeah, yeah. um you know i mean it's just so great it's yeah. like nice that um, kind of remind me of like an opening
1: sequence for some old movie or some hundred TV show or something like that. Yeah.
0: I mean, it still could be one day. I don't know if yeah. they have it. Yeah. Maybe if uh, they probably don't have these all licensed for syncing because they want to keep the integrity of the music separate or something. But yeah. I mean, but for sure, you can hear how thematic and how energetic and um, I mean, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like just gripping and, yeah. you know, like emotional. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Yeah. it's awesome yeah it's a good Gorgeous. album. um
1: yeah it's not the first time they really had strings they had they do incorporate some strings into some of their tracks, tracks here and there but that was really heavy obviously yeah orchestrated on purpose sort of album 100 really yeah definitely worth listening to yeah. silver from 2015 and then uh yeah they went on the next one after this is family dinner volume two
0: i think Yeah, and we kind of skipped over the first Family Dinner, Yeah, Um, but basically they had some opportunities to to have vocalists come on to their tracks, and they thought it was a good idea. I can't remember specifically what the story was, but it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Let's make a whole album about it. Hmm. And so, yeah, Family Dinner Volume 1 was in 2013, and it's eight tracks featuring eight different vocalists over Snarky Puppy music. Um, so super great, and then they did it again because it was such a success, and they did Family Dinner Volume Two, yeah. Um, and then that one's thirteen tracks. Um, I think it's all separate um, vocalists from Jacob Collier, yeah, who's really awesome. Oh yeah, um, he really talented young guy. Uh, Becca Stevens, Chris Turner, um, and I mean, all the way down the list. I don't know all these names, yeah, but um, good stuff.
1: Yeah, and I guess for the Grammys, they did win a Grammy for a song called Something off the 2013 album, Family Dinner. Okay. And I think that was the first Grammy, right? Yeah. And then they did win an album for the Silver, the album we just talked about, when best, won Best Contemporary Instrumental Album Grammy nice. in 2015.
0: For Silver. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys are at this point, Grammy winners. Yeah. Multiple times. They've proven it. Yeah. They've done it again. Yeah. All these vocalists want to keep working with them. These guys are doing something right. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um. And so then the next thing I was really pumped about was Culta mm, which is their uh, ten song instrumental, you know, LP in 2016. Yeah. Culture Vulture, just straight snarky puppy all the way through. And then like I mentioned before, this was a I, they go in and out of you know studio work and live stuff, but yeah. this one's predominantly all recorded in the studio. Mm. Fully, you know, they took the time to overdub stuff. And uh, record individual instruments and everything like that yeah. So it's got a little bit more of a polished mm. sound mm-hmm. And a little bit of a different vibe But it's still very, very good Yeah, we play their track Gemini at the top of the show mm-hmm. From that,
1: which was very different from the other stuff I've heard of theirs It sounds a little bit more pared back
0: Yeah, it's a little more minimalistic than a lot of their stuff Is there, Are the other tracks on the album like that? Or are they... No, like, the the other stuff is, is quite colorful Okay um, Some of the vibes when I would listen to this, like I would, maybe we could play Terra Nova um, because when this album turns on, like when I was first listening to it, it was it was like kind of it kind of scared me. Like it was like (laughs) whoa, like this is frighteningly groovy, frightening. Just a weird little personal vibe. I'm not saying it's a frightening or Halloween album or anything like that, but I was like like wow, like they're just going so hard with these rhythms and how much things are going on at the same time. Yeah. In contrast to Gemini. Kind of a more minimalistic track off that album. Let's uh spin that then. Tarova, the first I'm track. I'm down. All right. frightening frightening first track. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anybody would know what i mean but because i would just be listening to this by myself yeah. and you know getting into this as you know I've, i was aware of snarky puppy they came out with this new one back in 2016 already which is a little while ago yeah um but i mean and that's the shortest track off this album yeah and they go all the way up to over nine minutes. Yeah. on On a lot of the other tracks, yeah. or seven minutes, five minutes, mm-hmm. uh, four minutes is like the shortest other track. Um, but I mean, it's just I don't know if you know if everybody could hear off just that one track how how intricate it is, how how many different melodies they use and incorporate in in the different dynamic parts of the song of each track. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We kind of mentioned it before, but they just do it so well using melodies and how he kind of describes it as a pop band. Yeah, like when most people would say, "This is oh, this is jazz, this is pro- new jazz, progressive jazz, whatever you want to call it." Yeah. Um, but I really appreciate how they they use simple melodies and they as as themes throughout each track, and they bring it back, and they don't go, they don't stray too far away. They'll stray on the rhythm and the dynamics, but they'll bring that sense of melody back, mm-hmm. so that it's easy for for you know basic music listening people. Or non-musicians to really attach to it and be able to follow what's going on. Yeah. So they are really good at like leading the listener about where they want you to be listening to each part of each track. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they do that really well. So I think that's one of their you know, big reasons for big success. Yeah. They're, they're playing really kind of progressive, you know, jazzy stuff. They're playing really cool, you know, using music theory in a cool way, doing a lot of cool tricks with the the different instruments and things going on in each track. But they make sure to give you something to hold on to all the way through, Yeah. you know, kind of like a you know hold on to the rail on a on a roller coaster or whatever, yeah. um, so you can kind of follow it through. So I, that's one of the things I love about them, and they they stay consistent through each track.
1: Uh, that was the other thing as well that Michael said about uh, music theory, kind of thing um, in an interview I saw of him saying that um, you know he he realizes some musicians are out there that think you know learning theory will destroy my artist integrity or my knowledge of music kind of thing and mm-hmm. the way he sort of responded to that he said well it just it just adds more to your toolbox if you do mm-hmm. learn music theory you know where he can just like you know say to a musician like he in the interview he threw out some things that went over my head i can't do it I can't repeat him but you know he was like you know you play we're playing this there yeah, like, minor key. sus nine seven yeah you do that and you do that you know and it's like yeah. quick language you know sort of parallel he said to that is like you know if you speak a language like english and you learn more words then it just adds more words to your vocabulary vocabulary to be able to express yourself and mm-hmm. that's kind of how he said that about music theory is just like knowing that stuff just adds to your vocabulary to express yourself yeah
0: knowing so, more words yeah. doesn't change what you're trying to say yeah but hopefully it makes it more efficient yeah and, yeah. and, and that's what he's saying is knowing the music theory is very valuable because it just makes things more efficient when you're playing a room of 15 plus people with yeah. different instruments. Especially if
1: someone just shows up like right before the show. Literally because
0: right. it's not an uncommon thing for this group.
1: Yeah. And I mean like, yeah, I, I'm sort of, I think I'm still in the camp though. If I knew too much about music theory, it might ruin things for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, I've I've been in, situations with other musicians where they do know theory but then they use it as like a rule book to not go somewhere you
0: yeah know? like well we like, can't do that because i didn't that's not in the book uh, yeah. that I read but yeah that i and paid it's, for it's
1: like well but it sounds good it's like, yeah. yeah but it's
0: not technically right yeah, but it sounds good
1: so, <laughs> but i feel like maybe snarky puppy are one of those groups where like i don't know they could venture into the wrong realm and it'll be okay because they yeah they're good enough
0: to like be able to they, there's, there's some room for them to stray. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep it very tight yeah. while doing cool things with music. Yeah. And they, they stretch and they take you here and they take you there and they're like, ooh, we're almost going to go here, we're almost going to go there, but they don't quite go off the ledge. Yeah, yeah. But they, they take you to the ledge. Yeah. I think they could go off the ledge a couple times maybe. Yeah. Like they haven't gotten that weird, anything that I've heard. <laughs> but they do what they do very well. I guess also to backtrack, um, talking about album
1: highlights, there was one that we didn't mention from 2013 called, I think it's called M Kenny, M, M Kenny, A-M-K-E-N-I. That's why we
0: skipped it because we can't say it. (laughs) Exactly.
1: It was, uh, a collaboration they did with a Burundian singer-songwriter called Bukuru Celestin. And I did listen to that and it's very sort of African sounding album. Um, Kind of Afrobeat? Um... I wouldn't say Afrobeat. I would say more sort of traditional African world music, jazz okay. type stuff. Rhythm-based? Yeah, it's still funky. For me, it's not quite Afrobeat. Okay. It doesn't venture into the the funkiness so much of, of what I think Afrobeat is. But mm-hmm. it's still very good. And it's very it's a standout album because it's very, yeah.
0: Um, uh, unique. Different, unique sounding. Yeah. As, as far as their discography goes, it sounds yeah, like. yeah, yeah. So cool. I mean, yeah. Um, or no, I was looking at the. I was gonna say that was a good track, but that was off a different one. But I think I've heard that one as well. And yeah. again, I don't have uh, a wealth of knowledge to speak about every single one of these albums because, like we yeah. said, there's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, but again, I wouldn't bring a band to Roots to Grooves that's not you know consistent yeah. with with this much output. Yeah. Yeah. Their stuff is consistently good, and they do explore and they try different things. They do things with vocalists, they do instrumental stuff with you know orchestras. So they're exploring and they're trying new things, and they keep it le- they keep it legit, they keep it fun. Yeah, um, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, bro. That's yeah. what I got. Yeah. Um, after Culture Vulture in 2016, they came out with Immigrants mm-hmm. 2019, and that's basically their um, their last. Studio LP. I think that was also a studio album, mm-hmm. um, 2019, eight tracks. Yeah, and after that it was live, a live album at the titled "Live at the Royal Albert Hall," mm-hmm. which is you know famous yeah. Um, venue. Yeah, and then 2020, tw- tell all your friends remix and remastered. Mm. But yeah, back to Immigrants 2019. I think it's their last kind of yeah. original LP. Yeah. I think how you pronounce it, Javi, Hmm. X-A-V-I was the single off that, Hmm. um, which is pretty good. Yeah, I liked, yeah, Coven is good, Javi's good, Um, and yeah, I don't know if we want to spin one more track, but that's basically all I got on these guys. I think I've I've made my peace with (laughs) trying to tell the world about them. Yeah, let's uh, play out then off of uh, one of those tracks from Immigrants that you mentioned. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, we'll, let's take one step back. Do we have anything else? I don't You, you got so, anything no. else on these guys? No. Um, yeah. I, was, uh, I think we said it all. Said it all. I would
1: say probably for me at the moment, they're the most standout album that I actually want to spend a bit more time with, the Silver, mm-hmm. with the orchestra.
0: I think that's the album you got to get on vinyl.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. I think that'd be gorgeous. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, I do like Yeah A few other, other things I want to hear a bit more of Culture Vulture as well But mm-hmm.
0: Yeah 100% And that's yeah. where I'm coming from I'm coming from these These later albums Yeah Kind of going backwards And I don't want to see them live Have you seen them live Are they really good live like, It's yeah. solid It sounds yeah. just like You're listening to it on Whatever listening platform I saw them at Like I said At Moore Theatre Yeah And that was super epic Because I was I went um, To see my friend Emily Thrasher Oh yeah Who I She gave us the idea for I think Bonobo and Polish. Polish ambassador. Yeah, okay, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so she got tickets for both of us to go see Snarky Puppy at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Ah. Which, are you familiar with that spot? Is that in Washington? No, in Colorado. Oh, okay. And know. it's absolutely gorgeous. Like yeah. literally in between these huge red rocks mm-hmm. up this kind of hill. Yeah. And just overlooking the plateau of Colorado. You can see Denver off in the distance. Really? Wow. Look up some videos because there's amazing... Um, shows there from yeah. many bands yeah, yeah. but it's, it's it's kind of a super dope venue and I think it's kind of famous for just being a dope venue yeah um, it's like
1: a regular it's not a music festival venue it's just a
0: venue venue uh, no it's like a well I, they use it for other things I think but uh, it's predominantly a music venue yeah like I remember Incubus again I brought, bring them up because they're a big influence on me they did a big show and there's an awesome video of that on YouTube hmm. um, and yeah there's something about that place though that brings a lot of good energy it's just such a yeah. um, natural, beautiful spot to witness live music and experience a live show, and so that up. was that was gorgeous. That's interesting because then it's like it's kind of
1: like you're going to like if you find a good artist that you like that's playing that venue, then it's like a mm-hmm. two for one, right? Because you see the band but also get to experience 100% the venue, the place that's 100%. Because
0: yeah. I saw him at Moore Theater and I was you know. Up in the rafters, yeah, 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 you know, looking like almost looking straight down on the band. It felt it's like it's really
1: steep. That thing. it's, ri- yeah, it's. Yeah. I think I saw I Can't remember the name of the guy. Unfortunately, he's very interesting. Neil's From. Do you know him?
0: Mm, sounds familiar. No,
1: he's like a pianist. Uh, he does a lot of interesting things with keyed string instruments, like actually like playing the strings of the actual piano with beaters, kind okay, of like a yeah, percussion yeah. instrument and stuff. And he has a lot of electronic stuff going on as well. It was just him on stage with all these uh, keyed string instruments at the Moor, though, and yeah, it was playing them the wrong way. Yeah, because the more to me is like it's kind of like this old movie theater. Like you'd mm-hmm. it's kind of like the place you would go to see a Charlie Chaplin film mm-hmm. in 1920 or
0: something. <laughs> Actually, in yeah, that era. no, they could they could do a recreation <laughs> of that, and yeah, you'd yeah. feel like you're. A hundred years ago exactly yeah it is is it is an old kind of historic venue, so yeah, yeah, yeah. also a cool place to I've seen a lot of shows there it's cool, yeah, yeah, but snarky puppy, check them out, they tour a lot, yeah, maybe not this year because you know everyone knows what's yeah. going on, but um I'm sure they'll be back so uh, um yeah soon um in a neighborhood near you, yeah, so highly recommend these guys. I love snarky puppy, yeah check out. We like it here. Check out Silva. Check out Cult of Vol- Vulture. Check out... um. Uh, what was the last one called? Immigrants. Yeah. And we'll play uh,
1: Zavi. Is that how you pronounce that track? Javi. Harvey? I thinking
0: because there's people named Javier. Okay. Or I don't... But then there's Xavier. Yeah. So it could be Xavier. I don't know. <laughs> Again.
1: Or you could have just forgot to like rename it uh, because like the... The audio extensions. Oh no, that's not AV. oh. AVI. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. X. A- 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 AVI. AVI. I don't
0: know. Yeah, it's just some code word. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, snarky puppy. That's all I got. Yeah. Um. But if if you guys um you know hit it off with snarky puppy, you guys got any other cool facts or want to correct us on anything? Hit us up at the email roots to grooves at signalradio.com. Boom, baby. Yeah. So yeah, we'll play out. This has been Roots to Grooves. I'm Jesse. I'm Jay. Peace out, guys. Thank you for listening. Catch you next time.